Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to The Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing that he had placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory our Father has assigned me that I pray will be done on a weekly basis. The purpose of this podcast is for sharing the Word of God in a prophetic way under his anointing and direction of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to what he would have me to speak and minister to the spirits of the listeners, his sons and daughters. You can help and support this podcast in two ways. First, tell everyone you know about it and how easy it is to tune in to any podcast server with the title of This is the Voice of the Prophet. Secondly, as God leads you, your prayers, love, and support will always be needed and greatly appreciated. You can show your financial support through Cash App, dollar sign Beatrice Valerie Nero. That's dollar sign, capital B, E-A-T-R-I-C-E, capital B, A-L-L-E-R-Y, capital N-E-R-O. Or PayPal me, Beatrice Valerie Nero, as Sister B Nero. That's S-I-S, capital B, capital N-E-R-O. You can also reach me with comments and questions by email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at www.amiteagle.com. This week, I want to ask a few basic questions. And as we go through this podcast, I want us to ask ourselves, how hard is it? In other words, do you remember how we thought learning to ride a bike was so hard, but we learned and we did it. We thought that division and multiplication would be impossible to learn because it was so, so hard. And even though we were only six or seven years old, we learned because we didn't stop or give up trying to learn. As we grew older and life went on, there will be more and more challenges, things that we found exceptionally hard to do. But we did them, we dealt with them on a daily basis. And of course, in life, there's always that one person that comes along that everybody knows and they're able to do just about anything without it even seeming like it's hard. They can accomplish anything they put their minds to almost immediately. They always excelled and caught on to everything so fast. My youngest son was that way. He's ambidextrous, super intelligent, and I always called him my near genius. No, I'm not bragging. He truly does have a near genius IQ but he's also the one that I had to pray hardest for. Let me say it was all well worth it. He's a great man, 
and I couldn't ask for better from either of my sons. They're both God-fearing men who love God with all their hearts, and their wives do as well. But what's my point? The point is that what some find exceptionally hard can be so easy for others, and it's the same way in the body of Christ. There are times that I have had people to come with me with questions for counsel, advice, or whatever concerning the office of the prophet. You can probably guess my next question. Do you know how hard it is to be a prophet, a true prophet of God? Throughout the years, especially my young years, I listened to so many who wore that title, prophet. Even today, I hear those who refer to themselves as prophets. Yet one of the hardest things about being a prophet is the same thing that's hard about continuing as a born-again believer in the body of Christ. And that is learning to obey God with your whole heart and your whole soul. What makes it easier, not necessarily easy, but somewhat easier, is learning to hear God's voice with your whole heart and your whole soul. And you can't do one without the other. You can't obey God's word if you don't know how to hear his voice. And if you don't know how to hear his voice, you'll never be able to obey his word. And let me say that because you read the Bible does not say that you're hearing the voice of God. There's much more to it, but let's not go there yet. Let me say first and foremost that everyone who wears the the title of prophet are not prophets called by God. Saying that God said something doesn't determine that a person is a prophet of God. Years ago, there was an expression that said some were called, some were sent, and some just got up and went. They are those who have prophesied once or twice and every word they said was true. However, that does not make them a prophet. And it definitely doesn't mean that they walk in the office of the prophet. What about the person that prophesies during praise and worship coming forth in tongues? Does that determine that they're a prophet? There is a difference between someone who prophesies, one who is called of God as a prophet, as well as the one who is called to the office of the prophet. The one who walks in the office of the prophet also has the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, as well as the gift of discernment of spirits. But again, let's not be fooled. They are those who are alert and able to see, or you might say, just pick up on things. They're not discerning, but sometimes they might see a person's body language. They might smell smoke on an individual. And then supposedly, they prophesy that the person has a problem with an addiction. Then they'll go on to say that God is revealing to them that the individual must stop smoking. Everyone else is so amazed, but not God. What's the definition of a prophet? The Bible defines the word prophet as one that speaks or sings by inspiration, one that is divinely inspired by God to speak or declare the word of God. Prophets are used to speak of future events or rebuke. Prophets are used of God to bring reproof and correction, but also to bring hope, comfort, and consolation. 
as I was preparing for a ministry trip to Mexico a couple of years ago, God didn't give me a sermon to preach or teach. Instead, he gave me a command through 1 Corinthians 14, which says in the New International Version to strengthen, comfort, and encourage his people. Even in rebuke and correction, the prophet will still bring strength, comfort, and encouragement to the individual that's being corrected, if that person's heart has not been hardened. However, whichever it is, and however it is, it's always divinely inspired by the Holy Ghost. It amazes me how so many will love the prophets of God until the time of correction comes. So many will find no problem with listening to the prophets, true or false, as long as they're saying what they want them to say and what makes them feel good. But let me go back to one of the first statements I made in this episode. One of the hardest things for Christians to do is to learn to hear God's voice and then obey it. Whenever I have had someone cut me off or turn from me as a friend, is when I said something that God has spoken that they didn't want to hear or accept. Do you know what's hard? What's hard is being a true prophet of God and remaining in that position without compromise in spite of being rejected. Many years ago, God revealed to me that a brother I knew and truly loved who was sick was going to die. He was a young man with a young wife and a very young baby. I advised the mother to let her husband, the father of her child, make tapes, recordings for the child for the later years that she would be without her father. The mother had gone to other prophets who were much better known with greater reputations than I had, and they had all said that God was going to heal the man and he would live. After I prophesied to the woman, my friend, she became so angry with me that she went to the pastor I was under at that time and that he needed to do something about me. Well, he did. He called me in his office and soundly rebuked me. If I remember correctly, he told me that I needed to apologize to this couple. A few weeks later, not years, but just weeks later, the man died. Of course, my pastor never said anything to me about his rebuke. She never mentioned it to me again, and I wondered if she went back to those other prophets that had prophesied that he would live and wanted them rebuked as she had wanted for me. It's hard, extremely hard, to remain in the position that God has placed you in as a prophet, not go back or take back the words he has spoken to you when those that you love turn their backs on you and yes, even persecute you, talk about and against you and write you off as a friend and prophet of God. Matthew twenty three twenty four reads, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of ye them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. What's hard? 
What's hard is being a true prophet of God. It's hard during these times when you know that God has spoken a word to you concerning this present president, Donald Trump, and those that you love and have correctly prophesied to in the past suddenly find it so easy to believe that you're no longer a prophet or that you're no longer hearing the voice of God. It's even harder when they now feel that you're racist because you stand against the racism that you, your black sons, grandsons, brothers, black friends, and families have been subjected to for hundreds of years. It's hard, very hard to be a prophet when you speak up after remaining silent and just ignoring so many offenses, slights, and downright attacks that once you say I'm hurting out loud, that now you're the one that's the offender. Someone texted me and said that I should be careful that my heart doesn't become as black as my skin. And this is from someone who says they're a prophet, a Christian, and not racist. So apparently my black skin is something, according to their reference and comparison, that's ugly and offensive. That's exactly what's being said. If my skin is being used as a comparison to an ugly, dark, and sinful heart. After years of knowing this white woman, she still sees my black skin. I might as well say all black skin as something ugly that can be used in contrast to sin. But according to what she says and how she feels... She's not racist. Unfortunately, the problem with so many is that because maybe they don't use the N-word or maybe because they allow black people to be around them and even laugh and talk with black people, they feel they're not racist. But don't allow that black person to say something that's offensive to them that they feel they had no right or no business saying because it makes them feel uncomfortable as white people. It's hard, very hard to be a true prophet. As I was in prayer this morning, the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, Accepting correction is hard, especially when it calls for an open admission that you're wrong and have been wrong. It's hard accepting corrections when you've been doing something the wrong way all of your life, thinking it was right, and after being confronted with the wrong, admitting that you have been wrong. But with the words of comfort and encouragement, let me say again, it's not impossible. What's hard is being a prophet. The life that once belonged to the prophet to do with as they please is given wholly and completely to God to do with and through as he pleases. Some would say, oh, okay, I can do that. I'm willing to do do that. Me, 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 Lord. That's when a person is speaking and decreeing Isaiah 6 and 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Many will say, Send me. 
not knowing and not willing to go through the process or sacrifice that will be necessary. Before Isaiah was able and willing to say those words, he had been through what in the natural would have been very painful. Hot coals had been placed on his lips. He had been through a refining and cleansing process. In Isaiah 6 and 7, it reads, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully. This has touched your lips. Your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing is taken away, and your sin atoned for and forgiven. If the angel had to pick up the coals with tongs, it had to have been unbearably hot. But yet, he put it directly to Isaiah's mouth. The preparation to walk and remain as a true prophet is not painless. Let's look at that in the natural. Touching a hot coal to your mouth renders a person unable to even eat. Think of when you're tasting something that's too hot and burn your tongue or the roof of your mouth. If it's bad enough, you might not be able to eat anything for a couple of days. So in a sense, it's saying no longer natural food, but spiritual food only, spiritual nourishment only. Once the burning hot coals had touched the mouth of Isaiah the prophet, his mouth was no longer the same. There's nothing that fire touches that remains the same. The older generation will understand what I'm about to say. Years ago, there were fabrics that you had to be very careful when you ironed them with a hot iron. If the iron was too hot, your dress, blouse, shirt, pants, or whatever you were ironing was ruined. It was good for nothing but to be thrown away. It was changed forever, and the change could not be undone. I truly wonder when a person, a church, or a group prays for the fire to fall, when they ask God to rain down the fire, let the fire fall, do they really realize exactly what that entails? When we pray for the fire to come down, when we're praying for a total life change, when we pray those words, in actuality, what we're saying is no matter how painful it may be. We're believing God for life-changing things to occur in order that we can become the person and vessel that God has ordained us to be. We pray for the change, and yet when God brings about the change, we want to rebuke Satan and call it an attack of the enemy. We want change, but only in a way that's pleasing to us and our fleshly sensibilities. Everyone is willing to make the sacrifice as long as it doesn't cost anything too much. How many of us have heard the story of the chicken and the pig walking down the country road? I've told this story many, many times throughout the years. And the reason I tell it is because it brings home the point. There was a chicken and a pig walking down a country road. They passed this little country church with a sign outside saying, free breakfast for the poor, please make a donation. The chicken looked at the pig and said, oh, how wonderful. Let's go in and make a donation. I can give some of my eggs. 
the pig looked at the chicken and said, for you, it would be a donation. For me, it would be a sacrifice. Obviously, there was nothing that the pig could give without it costing him his life. The prophet literally becomes an offering for life to the Lord. There's a price that the prophet pays, and it's a dear one. In every church, there's an altar or a place that's used as an altar. In just about every service, especially during revivals and conferences, there's always what's called an altar call. When there's an altar call, normally the people will run to the front of the church and kneel down to pray. There have been many, many moving experiences at and during these calls. Usually people will kneel and pray asking God for whatever it is they need or want. Sometimes the altar call is for salvation or deliverance. But I remember God bringing to my spirit the original purpose of the altar, the purpose that the Bible says the altar was built for. Whenever an altar was built in the Bible, it was for a sacrifice, a death of flesh. And with that death of whatever was sacrificed, there was always a covenant cut. Nothing went to the altar that didn't die. Selah. With the prophetic calling, there's a death that is ongoing because the covenant that the true prophet enters into with the Father is never broken. It's through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We may walk away or break our part of the covenant through discouragement or even through sin, for which there will definitely be consequences, but God will never break, leave, or change his covenant with us. Very few, if any, besides the prophet, realizes the sacrifice that he or she makes if they're going to continue to walk in that office. It's hard to live a life of faith, not implementing gimmicks, conspiracies, or strategies that so many false prophets will use to convince the people that they're real prophets and even to raise money. Many men and women of God have left ministry because they couldn't support their families. Or worse yet, they contrived stunts and schemes to get money from the people. I recently viewed a video where the evangelicals who had prophesied wrongly rather than repent and admit that they were wrong were beginning to use those words of errors to reach out to the people for finances. We're going to fight this and not give up, they were saying. In order to win this fight, I need you to send send in as much as you can and every penny will be used by this ministry to continue this battle. And the sad thing about that video is that for many of these evangelicals, that video will become a reality. Worse yet, so many Christians will continue to be deceived and give to these ministries for a purpose that God never ordained. It ends with showing a clip from an Avengers movie where the Hulk is bashing one of the villains and saying, puny God. If man is able to undo what God had ordained was to be done, then he is a puny God. 
If man was able to trick God and get over on him through ballot fraud, then he's not the God that's almighty and all-knowing. The God I serve is not puny and he doesn't make mistakes. We must be willing to be accountable as Christians, understanding that not only is the world looking at us, but God is looking at us as we make a mockery of his word and Christianity as a whole. For these so-called prophets to stand before the world decreeing something that God never said and then not repent is a very, very easy thing for them. Apparently, it wasn't hard at all. They closed out the video with saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid. The prophet has to live a life of faith like no other. If he will listen and learn, God teaches them in the early years to live that life of faith. I remember as a very young prophet going out to minister and receiving very little, if any monetary offerings. Being a single mother after a divorce, it was extremely hard raising two sons while living a life of faith. After one truly disappointing time, as I cried out to our father, I heard him say to me, Beatrice, I promise to supply all of your needs, not the people. Your covenant is with me. Does that mean that people are not supposed to give to the prophet? Does it mean that they're not supposed to give to the church or to the evangelist or the pastor or the preacher or whoever? Quite the opposite. You see, there are people that do hear, obey, and do exactly as the Father directs them. And as they bless the prophets, God will bless them. I am no longer affiliated with the church I have been a part of for the past 15 years. However, I continue to give my tithe and offerings faithfully to that church, even though I'm no longer with them. I will always continue to be faithful to my covenant with the Father. Matthew 10, 41 says, He who receives and welcomes and accepts a prophet because he is a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives and welcomes and accepts a righteous man because he is a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives to one of these little ones in rank or influence, even a cup of cold water, because he is my disciple, Surely I declare to you, he shall not lose his reward. But yet the prophet cannot and should not depend on what others do, but always have his or her faith and trust in God himself. It's not easy. And yes, at times it's downright hard. But let me say this, those who are the true prophets of God, would have it no other way. It's absolutely amazing when one lives this type of life as to how much they will truly see the glory of God in their lives. But again, the hardest part of living a life of faith, whether prophet or not, is learning to hear God's voice and obey it. Let me share a teaching with you that God revealed to me a few years back especially for those that don't believe they're supposed to hear the voice of God. In John 20 and 7, it reads, And the burial face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, 
not lined with the other linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. For many years as a Christian, I believe that each and every time I had ever read this scripture, I'd always wonder why the face cloth was separate from everything else by itself. Now, probably some of you already have this piece of knowledge, but for others, I want to share what God has given to me. And I definitely believe this is pertinent, not only to the prophetic, but to each and every one of the sons and daughters of the fathers. I'm only going to share with you one reason. There are several, but I'm just going to go into one with you in this episode. When a person died, they weren't embalmed. And what would happen in the process of death, the mouth would open. This was an unsightly thing and disturbing thing for the family members, for those that loved the person that had passed. So what they would do they would take a cloth and tie around that person's head, not around their face, but around their head from under the chin to the top of the head in order to keep the mouth closed. The cloth that had been on Jesus is called a sedadian. That sedadian cloth that had been around the head of Jesus was now separate, laid on the side from all of the other pieces of linens that had wrapped his body. That particular piece of linen being separate from the other linens is indicative that his mouth, the mouth of God and his word was no longer close to us. The cloth purposely being separated from the other linens tells us that the word of God is once again open for us to hear. God's voice is no longer silent. We can now once again hear his voice as he ordained from the beginning. The things that have been kept from us are no longer being denied. The Holy Spirit now speaks things to us and through us so that those words may be spoken to others. From Malachi to Matthew, there was believed to be a period of 400 years. Most theologians refer to that 400 years as the 400 years of silence. As the Dead Sea Scrolls and other documents of the early church were discovered and verified, no such documents were retrieved or verified for that time period. Thus, they were called or referred to as the silent years. During that 400-year period, there were no prophetic words or prophets that God chose to speak through. The heavens were silent, and it's believed that, according to the Bible, there was no word heard from God. With the Sadarian being laid aside in the tomb, I believe it serves as a message to the body of Christ that God was not only hearing them, but now he would be speaking to them again, and once more they would be hearing the voice of God. No more silent years. 
I cannot emphasize enough how God wants each of us individually to hear his voice for ourselves. I say it over and over. No father wants his child born deaf. No father wants his child not to be able to hear his voice for themselves. And it's no less with our father God. Yet again and again, we allow others to hear for us and tell us what they say God is saying rather than hearing him for ourselves. They are those that are so desperate to be included and counted among the so-called great and known prophets that they are willing to agree with anything and everything they say. As long as they can say, yes, God spoke the same thing to me. They are willing to agree with these people even when they're wrong. For me, it's not hard to be wrong before man as long as I'm right with God. Does that mean that no one can teach, minister, or prophesy to us? Not at all. But when we are able to hear our Father's voice, we will also know when to believe and know when someone is saying something that God has not spoken. We must learn to hear our Father's voice clearly and concisely for ourselves even while listening and learning from others. We must learn to hear our Father's voice to the extent that we will know and be able to discern in our spirits when it's the Holy Ghost that's ministering or just someone that's saying what they want to believe. For some, it's easier to let others hear for them than to take on the responsibility of hearing the Father's voice for themselves. What's hard is being responsible and accountable when it's not what you're accustomed to or haven't been taught to do. On Wednesday night of last week, I went to bed tired and sleepy. God immediately began to speak to my spirit so much that I got up and began to write notes. He said to me, when we hear God's voice or prophesy his word, It can't be what we feel or think, but absolutely what God says. He went on to remind me to tell his sons and daughters that we must learn, prophet or not, how to hear his voice. God is spirit, and that's how he speaks to us in our spirits. We worship God in spirit and in truth, which is how he ministers to us by his Holy Spirit to our spirits. And for those that will speak God's word to others, whether it's as a prophet, teacher, preacher, pastor, apostle, evangelist, or with any other title or in any other way, it must always be with the realization that whatever we say, correct or incorrect, we will stand in the judgment. The very next morning during my prayer and devotion time, as I prayed concerning the words he had spoken to me the previous night, God brought me into Ecclesiastes 12 and 14. It reads, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Let me finish telling you what the hard part is for some about hearing the voice of God. For many, the hard part is having the discipline to spend time with him. 
One of the expressions many of you have heard me say for years is that if there's no intimacy, there's no pregnancy. If we don't spend the quality, intimate time with God that we should, then we can't expect him to impregnate our spirits with his word and with the ministries that he wants to birth through us. Selah. For those that will run with the ministry, saying that God has birthed that ministry through them, it will be as on the day of judgment, like one of those reality shows. When the envelope is opened and the words are read, it will say, God, you are not the father. If you can't spend quality, intimate time with God, then don't expect him to bring forth anything through you. And that includes the prophetic. One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control or self-discipline. It takes self-discipline to spend quality time in the presence of God on a daily basis. It doesn't mean that you don't love him. I believe we all love him. And as I've said in previous podcasts, there comes a time from just loving him to being in love with him. But When he's talking about the self-discipline, we must understand love is not self-discipline. Love and self-discipline are two entirely different fruit. We need not only the love, but the self-discipline in order to spend time with the Father. As I said in a previous episode Aside from when we're driving down the highway or riding the lawnmower, we need to spend quality time with God. It's okay to spend time with him while you're doing these things because I've done it and still do. But nothing takes the place of being in his presence alone with just him and you. Trusting God even when others have turned their backs on you is hard And it hurts. But if it's the price that I must pay, then I will say again, here I am, Lord, send me. Standing alone in the office of the prophet is fine with me. As his word says, there's more that's for me than they that can be against me. Micaiah was a lone prophet. Even Elijah, when he said, Lord, You had 700 prophets and I'm the only one left. When Micaiah was the only one with the 400 false prophets, he spoke truth. What did he speak? What did he say? He said that the king would no longer be king. It's hard to continue to stand as a true prophet of God, especially when you realize you have to stand alone. But yet, my father is always with me. As his word says, he will never leave me nor forsake me. There are a lot of things that are hard in the lives of Christians, and just a few of them are mentioned in this episode. They're hard, but not impossible. However, it starts with being willing to admit that you want to change and that's what's hard for so many. 
But as hard as it may be, it can be done with getting into the presence of God and hearing his voice. It may be hard, but it can be done by seeking the face of God for yourself and spending the time with him that he desires. Just as we didn't give up as children, learning to ride bikes or our multiplication tables, we can't give up on learning how to hear the voice of our Father. We can't give up on learning how to remove racism from our lives, hearts, and spirits, and churches. Change is hard, but not impossible, but we can't give up. Change starts with going to the Father and asking Him to reveal to you what He wants to reveal. If you want change, if you want to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem, then know that you can do this. Every day, many of us pray for God's will to be done in our lives. However, when he's saying it's his will for all racism to be removed from our hearts and spirits, and then the avenue through which he will do this is not what's pleasing or comfortable to us, we deny that it's God that's speaking. We don't want to hear those words and commands. This is where many will become self-righteous and justify their feelings and actions. They will make excuses for remaining in the places and even with the people that agree with the very thing that God wants to change in them. Change is hard, but if you truly want to, you can do this. You're greater than racism, bias, and prejudice. And the first step is to stop denying come out of the denial. There is racism and prejudice to some degree in all of us. I could easily add that if you can't do this, then this is the place where you will remain for the rest of your life. However, that's not true. In actuality, if you won't do this because you can, Little by little, you will begin to revert, digress, and deviate from the true purpose that God has ordained for your life. You can do this. You can make this change. It may be hard, but nothing takes the place of hearing the voice of God, our Father, and obeying Him. For me, that's not hard. God bless you. You and your family. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Stay healthy. And may the joy of the Lord be your strength. <laughs>